Howdy folks, and welcome to the Esoteric Gaming Podcast. This is a weekly podcast detailing some of our insights and opinions into the industry of gaming. I'm Per, and with me as always, I have my two co-hosts. Lex, how you doing tonight? Hello, it's good to talk with you. It's good to talk with you too. <laughs> you love you love my formality. This is so formal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Des, how you doing tonight as well? Doing great. That's great. That's awesome. Well, tonight we got some pretty I would I would dare argue esoteric conversations tonight. Um, there's a little bit of a mystery round hosted by our good uh, formal host Lex. Um, but before that happens, we are going to be diving into uh, Des's world of gaming but then our final kind of entree for the evening is a little bit of a springboard off of recent news that turtle rock studios which were the developers behind back for blood have decided to quit development on their sort of i would say infamous like not in a bad sense maybe infamous is the wrong word but popular popular uh zombie shooter have uh, black... you ever listened to three amigos no with steve martin There's... no yeah, there's a joke about you know infamous. It's even more important than famous. Like <laughs> the, 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 the whole the whole storyline depends on a, a misunderstanding of translation, and they put in infamous, and the guy thinks it means like even more famous. Doesn't yeah, yeah. What's going on? That's what it sounded like to me. <laughs> but yeah, so Back for Blood, which was sort of a Left for Dead, uh, pretty much almost dare I say, not clone necessarily, but very very heavily inspired by Left for Dead. Um, and so they have decided to end development. And so this leads us to kind of the esoteric topic tonight about, um, sort of when to break up with your live service game and when do live service games kind of hit their point of maturity and how can live service games sort of end gracefully to some degree. Um, so that's going to be kind of our topics for the evening. So without further ado, let's take an esoteric dive into the world of gaming. So, Des, this week in gaming, it's all about you, my friend. So, what have you been? What have you been up to? Features, interesting facts about gaming, and and all that. It's all. It's, you take it away. Yeah. So, um, this week, I've been uh, I've been kind of playing uh, a couple different games. I uh, I've been playing through an old favorite of mine. Um, uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight Jedi Academy, which is a really old game. Didn't um sorry to interrupt, but wasn't there already isn't there like a mod that just came out for that thing recently? I don't know. Maybe oh, okay. there is. Maybe I'm just spitting smoke. Never mind. Forget but this is like this is really old. This is No, I know, and they were saying that this is a really old game and there's a new mod for it or something like that, but yeah, whatever. Continue. Maybe. And I, I missed that part, but um yeah, it's amazing to go back and play because it was like this amazing thing when I first played it way back in the day. And it's, you know, it's aged a little bit, but it's still fun. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I'm playing it on kind of hard mode and I've, I've died a couple times. Um, and I, I also am playing uh, a game called Control, which... Um, I, have that a- on, I have that on my list. How good is it? I... I is so far it's really well reviewed and so far I really am enjoying it. Yeah, I got that on the humble bundle and I'm it's like on my list to play. Yeah. Think. And I I think I've realized I really like 
and both of those games have this in common. I really like a story-driven kind of you play the hero with a really good story. And I think both uh, Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, for its time anyway, and Control have those elements. I may recommend it. a game if you haven't played it called Longest Journey. Longest Journey, okay. It's a whole game. It's it's a pu- it's an old puzzle adventure game, but it's it has that kind of story you'd love. I I will have to check that out because yeah. and Control also has um it has really hooked me with there's like this mystery about what is going on in the in the game world like you don't it slowly kind of introduces you to it and you're like well, I don't understand how this world works and you kind mm-hmm. of have to figure it out as you go and uh. It's it's fascinating. I really am enjoying it, uh, and the visuals are pretty stunning. I don't I don't have a, a graphics card that can actually <laughs> your twenty handle you the, oh, no. right? the high settings. You've missed you've missed out so much. What's your, what's your, <laughs> I, I what's know it's still fine. Say what? What's your GPU? Oh, it's an old uh, it's uh, GTX sixteen something. Oh, okay. I think. yeah that's not that bad it's not that bad it's and it's just but i can't with a game that has this kind of stunning visuals of control it there's something about like you want to turn the visuals up to Mm -hmm. really kind of fully immerse yourself but it's not really it's fine it's really immersive as it is if i was developing an ai i would definitely guess you have more than one kid because you're sitting, skipping on the graphics card is definitely. Yep. <laughs> I was like, wait, that's, what? That's up there on the list, right? <laughs> I was like, Lex, you're gonna have to explain yourself on this one. Uh, the moment, the moment you start having children, your free money just disappears. Just, yep. It just goes away. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't upgrade a computer I had for I think seven or eight years. Like it was just a long time because I didn't have any money. You know, I was dealing yep. with family and kind of getting a career set up after going to school and. You just the graphics card's just not a priority, <laughs> and it really makes you think: Do I really need a higher graphics setting, or can I enjoy this game without it? it and often the answer can. is some of the questions. Like for I imagine some of the questions you've been like asked as a parent does have been like: Do I do I upgrade a new graphics card, or do I feed my children this week? <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's less about that, or do I upgrade this graphics card, or do I give them music lessons or dance <laughs> lessons? Or- swimming yeah, and just, i'm like yes. <laughs> well daddy we want to go into music sorry so, son i spent this on the graphics <laughs> it's, it's amazing how quickly like mm-hmm. that, that's the part of being a parent like they joke about it but they just don't like you're just gonna have to make those choices yep <laughs> and then you get a little older the kids grow up and you could start buying the fun games again but for a while right. there it's like right. you, the thing is, is that it teaches you, I think that period is, you know, not to get off your topic, but this period is great for really teaching you what matters in a game. Like, yeah, you, you have well, to make choices and you discover what you really care about. Well, and, you know, to to be clear, like the game is definitely stunning enough at, on the graphics card I have. Like it is totally you, playable at a, a high high enough frame rate um so does this it looks like it has full motion video is this or is this it looks that kind of detail is that what's going on or something else it's 
So, sort of. So they have actors that are, there's videos in that are telling the story okay. that are actors who are then also modeled in the game. Okay, so they use a mix of both. It's a mix of both, yeah. Yeah, because all the pictures I, because I, this is, because yeah, I buy Humble Bundle, like, I have tons of games, and, like, I recommend it to people if, if you, if you have a few bucks, because it's like open up a box and nine out of ten suck, but you'll get something really good once in a while, and this is one of the ones on the list. So. Yeah. I cannot, like, fully, you know, unreservedly recommend this game so far, because I'm just not that far into it yet, but so far it's really fun and uh it kind of scratches this like supernatural zombie itch that i have in games and a sequel coming or something like that i thought i thought i saw something about a like another one coming maybe that would be awesome more control more control (laughs) control to electric boogaloo oh gosh have you ever actually (laughs) like seen any discussion of that movie uh yes yes I looked it up one time I was like what is so, what so actually is I was I listened to a lot of bad movie stuff and I I can't was it was it the Red Letter Media guys that went over it I can't remember but it was I saw a recent discussion of it I'm like okay yeah this is I get it that's become like the famous meme for like twenty it really years is. now <laughs> yeah. so that's awesome Des that you've been yeah. that you've been up up to no good yeah i'm I'm glad that you're feeding your children (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad you decided you decided on i've decided i can live with a a lower quality graphics card yeah Yeah. for the benefit of my family (laughs) (laughs) yeah your children are just little gpus they just keep shoving food into that's that's (laughs) yeah it's a different power system but essentially it's the same thing yeah exactly right yeah (laughs) awesome well thank you guys for giving us an insight into uh hashtag dad life hashtag gamer life um now we're turning over the mic to lex and he is taking us through the mystery round tonight i he hasn't told me anything, so I, this, I don't. I know nothing. Brace, brace yourselves, everybody. This could be very okay. bad. <laughs> so, you've actually loaded up my first question. Perfectly. Oh my goodness, I'm scared. So, question number one: What's the most you would spend on a graphics card? Like I said, guys, we are not prepared for this. Okay, I'll go first. I'll go first. I would say. Um, the most I would spend on a graphics card probably would be probably probably around like eight hundred to a thousand dollars. Like, and that's like high end. That's like I had I had some serious money burning some serious holes in some serious pockets. So um, I was for a second. I'm like, definitely must be single if he's got eight hundred dollars. Yeah, well, but then, like I said, that's kind of top end. Typically, I aim like I think my last graphics card purchase was around the six hundred dollar mark. Jeez. Um, <laughs> I haven't gone over three hundred. But no, no, no. But keep yeah. in mind, keep in mind, Lex. Like I've saved. Like I was saving, and like I, I made responsible financial decisions here when I did it. Like I, I definitely like saved for everything and bought it all in one foul swoop right i wasn't just like all oh, right 600 bucks right here right now was like ram hard drives power source like i i built a whole new machine for myself essentially so so we know your answer it's high end <laughs> and I've, I've answered mine which is two three hundred dollar range how much for you des 
I think this um, isn't prices right, Des. <laughs> no. So I, I actually have an answer because I've thought about this. And I just the, the question becomes when I spend this money, not if. Okay. Um, and uh, so it would have to be like around bonus time or tax return time or something when, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or, or I save for it or something like that. But it's three to four hundred. Pretty similar, um, pretty yeah. similar to me. Yeah, and I, I've, I've been kind of looking at basically buying an older generation card that's still like an up, a just a definite upgrade for me. Yeah. That's that's pretty much me. Like I can tell that I'm getting a better video card, but I just won't pay for beyond that. Well, you know what I yeah. find wild too is those kids out there, and I do mean kids that like buy like the $800, $900 graphics card. And then they like, then they go on forums or Reddit or whatever. And they're like, why am I getting only 20 FPS? And I'm like, well, up that grade, that Pentium three computer of yours. And then we'll start chatting. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think it's just that's... about the GPU. And I'm like, well, no, there's a CPU as well. Part of this. Well, and Ram as well. Like, and the motherboard and the bandwidth. Yeah. On the yeah I'm just like, there's yeah. so many other factors here. Yeah. Like the, the most important part, on your computer is the one I see the most people spend the least time talking about. And that's yep. the motherboard with the main board. Yeah. Like you have a crappy motherboard, everything else. Good luck. Apart, yeah. Right? Cause it's controlling. It's basically got all the buses controlling everything going, everything else. Yep. And if it can't if handle it, <laughs> don't have the, the, the channels on the CPU that can yeah. utilize that. Then yeah. the channels on the motherboard that can allow it to pass through and the channels on the memory to, yeah. Yeah, it, you got to have the whole. End yeah, end. and the thing is, is that I know that from doing it, but I will admit it, it's it's almost like they would be. You know, there's some good sites out there like Tom's Hardware and stuff, but a lot of people would really benefit, I think, from just some introductory, like what actually provides the performance on your computer. Because, in my opinion, is if you buy a lot of second line stuff, you'll end up with a better computer than a lot of people that misallocate their funds. Like we. Yep. We talked about the macho flops in the past, right? It's like if you got yeah. it, feel free, but you're probably not going to get a full benefit unless you're using it a certain way. So, yeah, I think a, a well balanced system is actually pretty uh, performant. Oh, 100%. Well, you know, the other thing, too, you know, you talk about motherboard, I 100% agree with you, Lex, but I think one other thing that people don't often think about, or, well, I mean, it's becoming, it is becoming more relevant in the conversations that we see around the game reverse nowadays more often, but the idea that, um, like, like a hard drive, right? Like a hard drive can actually affect a lot of things. It can affect loading times. I remember playing mm -hmm. Squad, we talked about Squad last week, playing Squad back in the day with uh, a hard disk drive still. And like the loading times on that, I was like, oh my goodness. Like there was actually a distinct advantage to having an SSD uh, because you could load in faster. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it, and so I have regular old fashioned drives, which store video because that doesn't generally benefit much. I mean, there's a little, but, but the main things are on the SSDs, right? Because the thing about hard drives is that the old file hard drives, they buffer pretty fast. It's just there's some delays getting there. So certain things don't really don't really get hurt by that, right? But other things like the operating system should be on SSD. It's just very beneficial to do little, little simple things like that, right? And yep. of course, a real expert knows exactly what to put where. I I won't claim to be that, but but I just say from years and years of doing this and the technology does change, 
it is a bit of a waste to buy an expensive part that the rest of the thing just not up to right that's you're you're throwing your money away which in a sense a computer is a whole machine that's got a lot of parts to it and so yeah, yeah so that yeah. was that was question number one i like i said you just completely set that one up question number two you kind of set it up because i have a suspicion what one of your answers is going to be but the second question is actually is there any genre or type of game that you will buy almost without considering reviews just because you love that genre or style my answer is anything involving terraforming and in particular anything involving mars like i just i've i've bought a share of games that that are like not particularly good games involving mars but i just like theme right so have you played surviving mars i've played surviving mars i've played uh I've played. I've got at least five games about Mars that I could think of. But yeah, I've served. Mm-hmm. I think Mars is one of them. I've got Ad Aspera. I've got uh, one that's basically like Buzz Aldrin's Space Race, but has Mars as the final conclusion. I forget. I forget the name of the game. And then I've got uh, a game. Of, it's not called Terraforming Mars. That's a board game, but it's a the Terraformers. So it's an actual game about terraforming Mars. So like that's that genre. I just will buy it. If it, unless it gets like really bad reviews, that's mine. So what about uh, you, Des? I don't think there is one that I will automatically buy. Yes. There are. I there know of at least one, one game. There is one game of, that I will automatically buy, but it's not a genre. Okay. But is there uh, any game? Is it just that particular game or do you like? It is that particular game, uh, Kerbal Space Program too i just but, but would you buy any game of a similar type even if they're not kerbal space program or just that one game just that one game hmm. the closest thing i have to a genre is star wars okay that makes sense yeah i will i will i will tolerate really bad star wars games to a very high degree <laughs> 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 so you know you talk about old games my first star wars game that I can remember uh, before, like some of the arcade, like the actual arcade box games, was uh, was X Wing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful game. It's just uh, like, amazing. Yeah, like so. Yeah, yeah. Star Wars Galaxies. Just yes. you loved it. Grindy as grindy as grindy can be. So and I still as, played it, and I don't ever- like grinding. As EverQuest people we used to joke about, because EverQuest was all about camping, and the joke was going to be that Star Wars Galaxy was going to be like camping Darth Vader, you know, just people sitting there waiting for hours for Darth Vader to spawn yep. so they could kill him. Yeah. <laughs> I still it's, played it. It's of a different time, let's put it that way. Yes. That's That was yes. back when MMOs were still really I can't believe grindy. I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> I just had this weird... idea in my head of like young little Des or young little Lex just like waiting at like Darth Vader. Luke, I am your father. <laughs> Time uh, to die. Me... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. Yep. No, like I still have memories of just like I have to kill how many of these things? How? Okay. Okay. I need to ask this question. I need to, like I need to ask this question. How good was the spawn rate? Of was there like a Darth Vader and like was it a boss that spawned? I don't know. I don't. I actually okay. did not make it because this far. It's I, so... the grinding of stormtroopers and I don't even remember of 
just um, it did eventually. I would think stormtroopers would be trivial. They can never hit anything. You just sit there and yes. poke at them all day. There well, was... that's the thing is, I do remember sitting there and just like, okay, it's like me just walking around whacking stuff that can't kill me, and I'm just this is boring. And it eventually hit my tolerance. I, yeah, I, that's you know. they've gotten a little better over the years, but yeah, that old fetch quest. Yep. It's yep. You go back to those old games and they were hard. Yeah. But, some, but they had some dull moments, like the EverQuest hell levels and stuff. So yeah. let me uh, and, and I did play the new the newer Star Wars MMO, um, and it was a lot of fun. I just stopped playing it because it it. I hit a stage in life where it was too time consuming. I couldn't do it. I well, um, I was going to say there was a, uh, in new world, there was this like one, like it, it was a quest boss essentially. Like you couldn't get past it um, unless like you did it. Right. And this quest boss, when you killed it, spawned like every, like a new one, every, like it was, a, it was a glitch. It spawned in like every 45 minutes. And so there was thousands of people in this like one area <laughs> just waiting yeah. and this is like a beginning area so this is like day number one we're all just like waiting for this boss to spawn again and like the thing with the worst of it all was like everybody would hit it and it would instantly die so it's like <laughs> it was like and spawn and then we're like okay another just, 45 see, minutes who got the kill <laughs> see pair you were getting a little picture of what the early everquest was like yeah when it was so funny because the mobs would spawn the group would just sit there the camping reference and the boss, the mobs would just sort of spawn right where you're standing, and unless they were really tough bosses, they didn't last very long. <laughs> just group kills. I them, do remember, in, like in Star Wars Galaxies, I did run into an issue a couple times where, oh, there's just no more mobs left. Somebody has come through and cleaned this yeah. out. I just need to go somewhere else for a while. Yeah, and come back. I actually had that problem with uh, one of the quests in WoW where. Yeah, it was a really grindy one to get the Frost Saber. And it was just like, you would run them all out and you'd have to wait for them to... They didn't take that long, but you could you could end up with periods. And if, if anybody else was doing the same thing, you might have to take turns. I am so, curious if what listeners kind of like... You will tolerate a lot of badness in this genre or this <laughs> area. Cause... Yeah, I, I, for me, I'll, I will do that probably with... Uh, games that involve building like just, like, like any what? type of crafting i tend to be a little tolerant of not quite as good as it should be hmm. now that's just comes from the fact that until very recently such games were so rare that you kind of had to pick and choose yeah now there's so much more common that i can be a little pickier i am gonna move on to see pair ask him the same question yeah, I would say actually kind of where you were going, Lex, just a second ago, I would say really I'm definitely a sucker for any sort of factory games. Uh, so obviously Factorio being one. I, I did play Satisfactory. I I don't know. I, I didn't. It's not that I didn't like it. It's just I never got into it as much as I did it's, to Factorio. It's not really a factory game in the same way as other factory games. Yeah. It's a little it's a little of a hybrid in certain ways, so I can see that. Yeah. And the other one that was in particular that um uh, that I can think of was uh Dyson Sphere Dyson Sphere program or whatever. I love I love that yeah, game. Yeah, that was a really, really like really just solid iteration on the Factorio kind of a genre. Um yeah, just a really solid game overall. There's actually a new one. Uh, speaking of 
kind of games that are out there. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Uh, it's on my wish list, I believe. Uh, you guys should probably look this up. It's called uh, Dawn Apart. It's a new. It's a new game coming out here. Um, it says to be announced. Pardon? Let me take a look. I'm yeah, gonna take a look over Tucker. Yeah. Yeah, Dawn Apart. It's like um. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting. It's almost like they're getting the both best of both worlds in the sense of um, factorial and satisfactory. It kind of looks like an interesting game. They're um, they're starting more and more to mix genres a little bit. Oh, hundred percent. Well, where was it? Um, uh, where was the thing? They just kind of said like straight up. It was like a, I think it was an ad I was reading about the game where it was like like inspired by Factorio. I was like, mm-hmm, yep, <laughs> yeah. Sign me up. Much so. What's what's the name again? Dawn Apart. Dawn Apart. Yeah, like the okay, sun, like the like the sunrise, like dawn. So yeah, dawn I see. Apart. It, oh, it's got kind of a little bit of a gear. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like yeah, punkish. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, that name, I would not expect that to be a Factorio like game. No, the, the name's kind yeah, of needs some work, but <laughs> I would, it's got some I would, interesting visuals too. Anywho, so we're hopping into our next kind of entree segment for the evening tonight, and it's a little bit of an interesting one. Uh, one that was kind of surprising to me because, large in part, it was dealing with what could be generally considered to be a fairly successful game. Um, now, whether or not they planned for it or not, you know, Back for Blood was fairly successful. It was fairly like there was some criticisms, hundred percent, to say that like it wasn't. This wasn't like an acclaimed game that like it was like unanimously positive. Um, no, yeah. Um, but but generally speaking, when it came out, it, it did feature some some degree of popularity, um, and that was Back for Blood. And uh, the the company behind it, Turtle Rock Studios, they actually were made up of some Left for Dead veteran developers and so yeah they were made up of uh, a series of kind of left for dead veterans and they were working on a game to be heavily inspired by left for dead but also i think what the inspiration was is taking left for dead taking the mechanics from left for dead being like the mechanics everybody loved you know lots of zombies um sort of this run to the safe house scenario um, but then mixing it together with sort of what we kind of we were talking about last week with the hero shooter, where each sort of character in the game has their own special abilities, as well as there was kind of a card like system. Like so you went in with like a certain deck of cards, essentially, which are various abilities that your character played with. Right. And yeah. so it's kind of and, interesting. Sorry, Des. And and I was going to say they they really tried to amp up the the hero aspect of that by making the heroes either immune or uh, powerful in a way that the zombies didn't have the same fear, but then they had to amp up the zombie side of that as well. And they have all these mutations and and stuff. Yeah. And Uh, so they, they added almost like what we, what we would kind of call maybe a dash, a dash of 21st century, or maybe even like maybe 2020 uh, gaming to this game, right. Where it's very much like, okay, how can we take this t- tried and true sort of system of Left 4 Dead and then amp it up times a million, yeah. right? Um, and and generally speaking, like there is like right now it's it's sitting at mixed reviews and I'm betting that maybe some of those mixed reviews, oh, look at this one review says uh, from uh, Ghosty Goon, this day is now officially Left 4 Dead. <laughs> um, but, yeah. it, but it is interesting because... Oh, okay, here's another one. This is the positive review. Turtle Rock Studio presents Back for Money. Oof. <laughs> but, so, yeah. 
the the conversation tonight that we were going to have was surrounding the idea that you know there I, I think it's like how do we set expectations as gamers but also how do developers set expectations for gamers when it comes to live service models because often i think one of the biggest problems with the gaming industry today is that as you were kind of mentioning before this podcast lex you know everybody wants to be a live service model right have a live service game or let's go a step further and say that almost gamers expect that the games they play now even though the the developers like actually a game i can think of in particular that actually very much was a victim of what we're discussing right now was outriders so outriders was a looter shooter and they kind of said straight up like we're making this and we're done like we're like they were very clear they were like we're done and I don't know what they were expecting. Like, I don't know who told them that that was a good idea, but it is actually what I would consider to be kind of a plague in the industry today, whereby, like, them saying that, I feel like if if I, maybe funny enough, if if they asked me as the marketing guy, like if I was their head marketing guy, they Are you asked in marketing? me, yeah, right. <laughs> if they asked me, you know, pair, what do you think we should do here in terms of setting expectations? Because marketing actually a large part is about that kind of idea. I would actually say, be very clear, be very transparent and say, we're only making this much of the game. But then I might even go a step further and tell them, the developers that asked me this question saying, are you sure you want to go out down this route? Because this is going to be a very unpopular route. People are going to expect DLC, people are going to expect, like, gone are the days where a game just came out. Gone are the days where that's just the case. Games now either get updated times a million or they come out with multiple DLCs. And this used to not be the case, but it now is, right? And it's it's ruining, I would argue and say it's ruining games, very good games from indie studios that either can't afford, like, so they make a game and they, they can't really afford to iterate on the IP or, or like, you know, have a live service or have these, like, if a company's like, we hate microtransactions, but in order for us to make this, uh, make a game in the competitive landscape that is full of, like, live service goodness, we need to have, li- like, we need to have microtransactions, or as Lex, you've said in the past, you know, having a subscription model, right? And I mean, it's difficult. It, it's, it's extremely difficult, and navigating that is not easy. So what are your guys' thoughts? What's what's kind well, of even control, booming in your heads? Yeah, Control has two DLCs, uh, two expansions to it, which I haven't actually gotten to yet. But it's uh, and then there's like some of my other favorite games all have DLCs. Um, the the Rocket League, which everybody should know by now, is one of my favorite games, is a live service game. <laughs> is constantly being releasing new versions and like that's what's one of the things that keeps it fresh and so yeah it's very expected i Um, i think people are very unrealistic um yes and so like let me ask you a question seem a little off topic but it's relevant in its own way it's relevant in that lex way of like it's it'll get there eventually the uh have you do any of y'all know anyone who plays the game the card game bridge uh no i know of it not actively in the 60s it was all the rage it's been played consistently for 60 70 80 years now but it's slowly dying 
right? And that's yeah. that's a that's like an old game that people still play. Of course, chess is older, but the reality is is that even games which used to be all the rage, there was a period of time in which bridge was the most popular game in America. Dying, been dying for a long time. Games die. That's that's just the reality of it. Is as someone who board game, I play board games and. Certain board games have been successful for long periods of time, but I, I don't play that many games that were made 20 years ago. I just don't. Uh, there's a few. Yeah. But there's a natural tendency to, there's a few you keep with that you remember, but most games have a shelf life. And it's even more true in the computer gaming business. A board game is made by like a hobbyist with a little bit of time. There's very, very few professional board game developers. And that's an industry that's actually pretty good. Software development is a very expensive industry. Very and, expensive and very forgettable. Yeah, and, and people move on. So this idea that a studio is supposed to support indefinitely the production of something, regardless of whether or not they can afford to even have the people to do it, that's very unrealistic, right? Well, and I think part of the 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 problem here is that a lot of these games have very uh very small but very dedicated communities who want mm -hmm. to see the keep game keep going yeah. i mean how many games do you know of in the computer games that are still played by a large population 15 years later starcraft maybe wow wow yeah there's there's few like we could probably do uh, it on tf2 <laughs> okay but but the thing is is we could probably do it on you know all the fingers on both hands right it's and that's from thousands and hundreds of thousands of games that have been made over the intervening period right however many games yeah. have been made and if there you are, if you expand that to like uh series as a, a series of games or or um uh what's the word franchises which is it's not a live service model, but it is a kind of like they keep developing games that keep people keep buying, yep. which is kind of live service ish in that sense. But there's even then you expand that list. It's still not very many of them. It's their cost of making this stuff. Yep. And unless players are going to commit and they're not to long periods of development on a game, game studios have got to make a decision. People, we've talked about this before, game studios are not, studios in particular are not these money-making machines that are just, that compared to other software business, these are hard ways to make an easy living kind of thing, right? These are companies always on the brink, always need one more success. The idea that they're oh, just going to sure. keep people around, you know, it, it's different when you're, when you're developing software with a 20-year life and you have regular ongoing service contracts. And all the things that big, large-scale software developers do, well, these, the, these aren't that way. The margins on a business-to-business -business piece of software are like huge mm. compared to the margins on a business-to-consumer, which are huge compared to margins on a uh, a game. And even then, like large providers will eventually just sunset their older product lines. They usually replace it with a newer one. Yeah, but they they they're not going to unless I worked for a company that legitimately was paying Microsoft to sustain just for them support old versions of their products just because 
to for Microsoft to do that, they needed a very large Fortune 500 company with a large amount of money to support the staff to do just basic support of old software. Yep. The idea that these games are just going to sit there for long periods of time that this I think the live service model is essentially a period of trying an idea that needs some refinement. I don't think this idea is fully baked. I don't think it's been fully figured out. It's relatively new idea. A lot of companies have had to deal with the limits of it and the things you can't do. As I said, there's very, very few, very old games. And you get some stuff where uh, about five or six years ago, you started seeing companies that would sort of continue to run a particular product through a whole bunch of DLC. That's That has been happening. But you go back to games prior to that era, people just moved on, right? Well, and, and this game in particular is... You know, mo- live service games tend to, you have a big surge at the beginning and then they, they die off slowly. And it's very rare that uh, that doesn't, that you get continued growth periods. And, and not only that, but no offense to the developers, but this is a derivative product, right? I mean, that's, it's derived from their own previous ideas. Right. right. Yeah, it has to. Well, it's not, not even if it's not derivative, it has to be better in some way to get people away from left for dead yeah and, and not just that but it's like this genre is not new um it's people are going to expect new product there, there's and and frankly I, i'm sure there are people that can play a game like this ten thousand times but this is not the kind of game that keeps a reliable audience for an extremely large amount of time but well, i would I, argue that that like like taking left for dead 2 for instance you know um, I think it boils down to the idea that we have trained our brains now because of the the world of modding, maybe to some like that our brains have now been inspired. So I, I go back. So I was just kind of reading the reviews while you guys were talking there. And one of the things that was interesting that spoke to me a little bit about it was the idea that there was no mod support, right? There's no yeah, mod that's support a, for that's this a game. Common complaint, yeah. right? There's no mod support for this game. But then I think of so I was about to say you were wrong, Lax, but actually you're right. Of course but, I am. <laughs> that's almost that's almost definitional. Life, right? No, but like, I think this type of game, the the zombie, the zombie horde shooter. Let's go that direction if we call it that game. It is a game that you can play for a very, very, very long time, uh, and this is proven factually by Left 4 Dead 2. People to this yes. day are still playing Left 4 Dead 2. Yeah. But why are they still playing Left 4 Dead 2? They're playing Left 4 Dead 2 because it's supported through and through again with the source engine too, right? And so you have all these mods, you have lots of content that can be generated by the community. Um, and so you have this this bed laid down. And so the, the biggest problem also, one of the other things that's very interesting that I was kind of seeing here, so people, I, I was not, and I think none of us were, which is kind of interesting. And that's why I kind of wanted to bring up this topic because it is a game that none of us have played, uh, I don't think. Um if we just find out Lex is the only one that's played this game. <laughs> I would, um, that would be surprising. Yeah, it would be funny. Um, but no, what I was going to say was the idea also that there is certain elements of the video game. Let's say the genre of the video game in general. What is what is the genre of the video game that I'm talking about? Video games now are always online, right? You play with your friends, right? They have microtransactions, this and that. And those are the complaints I was seeing by the people doing these reviews where it's very much like 
there's still microtransactions in the game. There's still, um, like, like if you were to play with friends, like you have to play with your friends. And if your friends don't want to play this game because they're not supporting it anymore, because you're like, oh, de- dead game, right? Everybody's saying dead game. When it's like, fair enough. I mean, but it, those are fair points. But it, so then I asked the question to the devs, like, why not just deactivate all this stuff? Like, what are you trying to like put slap it on sale, put it on sale and, and be like, yeah, this is our new price for the game. And like, it's a finished, this is our finished product, right? And I think the other thing too, which is very interesting, which is kind of of a time of bygone years, is that unfortunately it seems like there is a lot of bugs in the game still, right? So it's like, you have all these bugs in this game and you're like, okay, we're done. And it's like, well, you didn't fix and there's these a bugs. Couple of, <laughs> and, and there's a couple of really major shortcomings of this game. The PVP just didn't get the love that people felt like it deserved like that's a pretty significant shortcoming in the game right now and that never got fixed so there are really only two kinds of games that have long lifespans in my experience and you might come up with others one is is probably the less common one and i would say it's like the crusader kings 2 style where there's just so much emergent gameplay Mm -hmm. that and then they just keep adding more to it or like uh, the game. A, a game I can think of that's made by the same people, correct me if I'm wrong here, Lex, is uh, Stellaris, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, they, there's just so much you can do in the game via emergent game. Well, what is emergent gameplay, right? It is that it's sort of like you've been given so many tools in the sandbox that the possibilities are almost limitless to some degree. And and those games, they the developers provide a regular stream of content. The existing content is very good. And people tell stories. That's honestly very few companies have got that mix. I'd say Paradox is one of the few that's kind of figured that model out. The other model is a little more common, but is also really, really hard to get right. And that is it has to have an extremely competitive, high-skill game. Yes. That's the StarCrafts, uh, the old uh, Counter-Strike. Basically anything with an eSports league. Yeah, anything in, in modern day. Well, we could even make the argument um the Age of the Age of Empires 2 franchise, like 2. Yes. Why 2? Why 2 is because like you said Lex, it has like the that was the game that everybody was kind of born and raised with and it it got it garnered it garnered such a competitive league that Microsoft decades later were like releasing DLC for it again. Like that's had, how popular it had it the balance that one in particular hit the because it was a it, the balance in the game of the different um factions could essentially allowed for a really competitive game where it was the skill of the player that made the difference and that's critical in those and, type of and you hit at a point for back for blood if you don't have good pvp right yeah if that's if there's not a highly competitive pvp environment then you're relying on a steady stream of highly intricate and very interesting content, which adds to the game experience. This kind of relatively narrow type of game, and narrow in the sense that you do a specific kind of thing and there's a story to it, yep. does not necessarily lead to that experience, right? It's, yeah, you have to have something like WoW where 
there's just like this amazingly expansive world you can do anything with it you can basically. do anything with factorio has got a little bit of that where it's just like there's so many things you if for such yep. a simple game there's such a depth to the game right you have to have that depth you have to have that uh chase that next thing we, we've talked a little bit about it in, in previous uh podcasts about you know, this idea of having something to constantly move forward towards right and Competing against another person. I mean, I've you know I follow chess. Chess is chess has had a bit of a boom lately. It's a useful example because chess is a very old game, and it's also a very simple game. Well, wasn't it? Um, wasn't it that like chapters or Indigo was like releasing? It was like the Queen's Gambit, the game. And it's like, wait, yeah. are you just saying chess? <laughs> exactly. Right. <It's, laughs> but but the thing is, is that the chess has got a, a very deep setup and very very competitive. So it's able to survive. Now, other competitive games can die. Like Bridge was very competitive for a long time. And it, it's the mistakes with Bridge are complicated and have to do with topics beyond this discussion. But the the fact is, is that that game survived successfully for a very long time because at a very competitive level of play, right? And to the point where there were columns talking about how to play it and there were people supporting it and people would pick it up. And then there was the average, it's, it's one of those things if the average Joe could play it, but then there's a really high level of competitiveness. Because if you look at almost all of the really successful games of that type, there's like a bunch of people that are beginners, not very good, that are having a great time. And then there's just layers of better players. Poker. Yeah, poker's one. Um, I suspect Rocket League's probably that way, just from yep. when you've talked about it, right? It, Where you Unlimited sh- skill cap. Yeah. And, and so like chess, there's people with ELO ratings in chess of 600 having a good time, right? Yep. And then I'm sitting around the 1400, 1500 range going, you know, I'm just, I'm getting crushed by these better players, but you know, to an expert player, I'm, I'm pathetic. Right. And there's just so much, there's always someone at your level. There's always the next level to advance to that's, that's how you get a successful live service game. If you don't have those things, eventually you're going to reach a point where it's just not worth your money. And this game feels like it's had that, like they just, I, I would, they could would, have kept it going longer. But they if, would have need a larger uh, player base to be able to make the continued money to co- be able yeah. to basically because these live service games like, wow, it's basically an entire dev team for an entire game constantly forever ongoing. And you yeah. need the money to support that. Yeah, the, I, I have little doubt that had this made financial sense to continue, they would have done like this. This is almost certainly it just doesn't make financial sense to continue. Yeah, right. Oh, they, for sure, it, for sure. Players can complain all they want, but if the developer isn't making any money or isn't making enough money, you cannot expect them to provide yeah. this for free, right? And I don't think, I think one of the things, like, as I listened to a bunch of the community members' like responses, um, and one of the things that stood out to them was uh, pretty consistently is the the phrase in there that said, we're a small studio making AAA games. And nobody cared about that that kind of like rubbed everybody the wrong way. And I think, I also think that they, I think that's because it's mislabeled. It's not that they're a small company making AAA games. It's that like they, because it, it, it doesn't matter the size they can go hire more developers as long as they're making enough money it to keep a certain number of developers on this game. <laughs> and like, you know, you look at, you look at the, you showed that video with a, their vision it was a good yes. if it's on youtube it's good it's a good video yes. and the thing that really caught me was 
you know, it's very well produced. It's clearly they're a triple A quality studio, but you know, they they're selling this this vision. I think it's my personal opinion. A lot of the problems in the gaming industry are because a little bit like Hollywood, they make it sound a lot more fun than it is, and so people kind of imagine that there's just this group of guys in the back having a great time, and you know, they just can't wait to write more content. Where in reality, it's like there's a budget and there's you know, there's a company that's wanting a certain amount of product and there's a product manager and there's a bunch of people working long hours. And this idea that it's just, hey, we can do whatever we want and don't have to think about the quarterly financials is completely unrealistic. Well, you and, are right. If they had the money, they would continue. And that's kind of an example, like you said, Des, like that really isn't, uh, I would almost say that very much like they over-promised and under-delivered. Like I would... <laughs> So I hate yeah. to sound like a broken record here, but if they were asking me, I would say, no, 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 don't say that because then because then what you're doing is you're setting the expectation for people and players' minds that you're going to get a AAA result from a studio. And I can think of, you know what a classic example that I think we all know that we can think of that, that this was an example of was No Man's Sky, right? Like No Man's Sky was very much like, we're going to like proceed with this thousands of blah, blah, blah. And like, it turned yeah. out to be like, such an like uh, a weak product like such an like an indie like something you design at a game festival kind of product right and and so for a lot of players they were expecting this now of course uh they've picked it up and they've done well with it but i mean that really is the idea that setting expectations in the player's mind are so critical because i think one of the things that like i think often we forget and and as gamers and maybe as like you know people talking into the ether sphere of the internet is the idea that who are you talking to right like what age are these people like sure you could be talking to people like our age or people like lex's age or your age des right um but but generally speaking like video games still and funny des you were kind of talking about before the podcast like video games still very much are a young man's game and so you're dealing with kids here right you're dealing with people that are like very much might not take the mature high road here right and very well, and much I might get very upset that that the, their dreams yeah. have been dashed and santa claus isn't real and the, the games <laughs> hey, the game if there's kids listening you just you have to is, edit it out yeah. <laughs> the games industry Beep. is um maturing it is getting older on average yeah because people are growing up playing games and they're keeping yeah, playing but, games by but i think that's but I think that's more that people continue playing games. Continue. I, I think yes. the reality is, True. is that yeah. younger younger people have more time to play. They really get invested. So they do. I, I buy that point. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. let me. Let so me ch- it does stay like even even like people who continue to play games, they're still as they get into the workforce and all that stuff. They still they just physically have less time to yeah. do it. Well, you, I think there you, is the idea also that you know as much as we can say that the industry is maturing, like, right. That players are maturing in age. I mean, just because you're getting older, doesn't mean you're getting smarter. That's true. Well, <laughs> or and, even and that you're getting more mature, service... right? Like an attitude, right? So there could be people very much like, you know, you could be de- like, why is FIFA or why is call of duty so popular? Right. It's because people buy it like and like that it's made up of a good chunk of older adults right that buy these games and play these games the the industry is very immature right you can you can tell a mature industry so like a specific example i i switched between 
statistics, machine learning, and computer science. Statistics, very mature field, right? You go talk to statisticians, techniques are 100 years old, very established. Machine learning, it's been around for a while, but modern machine learning is like really new stuff. And computer science is going through, when I started computer science, there was less focus on software engineering. There was less focus on process and procedure. Like that stuff started happening as I kept my going in my career to the point where like I, when I went back out of school, a specific example, when I got back out of school and got back in computers, one of the biggest things that I noticed was that the change management systems had really evolved. Yeah. Like the builds, the first time I used, uh, what is it? Uh, Gradle, which is a particular build suite. I was like, this was blew my mind. Right. It's like, they didn't have this 15 years before I started. Like it just wasn't there. Right. And so industries which are in a maturation process lack some of the standards and, and processes that more mature industries have. Now that's good and bad, right? I think the game industry is still evolving and figuring out how to do even the most basic things, which is my real point. Yeah. Right? Well, and, 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 and I think, I think to your, to that point, like in order to be a mature industry, you have to be able to sustain uh, like I've stopped playing. I, I mentioned I played the MMO, the Star Wars MMO, uh, the Old Republic, right? I stopped playing that because it was too time consuming. And while that works for younger people, you're not, until you can have a sustainable, broad demographic of people playing your game. I I will give you not... a specific example. Board games have gone from. 10 hour, six hour, five hour games being relatively yes. common. Like there's war games designed to take a hundred hours to play. Yep. To the traditional modern Euro game is designed to be played between 30 minutes and three hours. Yes. And, and that it's a lot more popular now. A lot more popular. It's uh they have a certain set of well balanced yeah. mechanics that make it that keep the game interesting all throughout that 30 to minutes to three hours. But you, you've hit a point, which is, you know, time management to me, games that I, I often play games. I can come back to specifically yeah. because of that. Um, the prune game we all play is the only game I even allow in my life. That's got a constant, got to stay on this thing or it's all <laughs> going to fall apart because I just, I have enough time in my life for maybe one of those just yeah. one. Right. And so I think I think it's a maturation issue. I think there's some unrealistic expectations. Yeah. To be completely fair, I suspect the developers are figuring that out themselves, right? Well, and I think I think the and this is not the first game that this company that uh, well they also uh, worked on Overwatch Evolve. Has shut down. And yeah, and they yeah. they've done this on repeat. And yeah. I think there's, they've burned a lot of trust. But I think their problem is not that they can't build a game. I think their problem is that they can't they are picking games that they that can't sustain yeah they, they're they, they are games. they are building a great game that has a shelf life and then people move on yeah and people move on and they're yeah. not but they're not billing it as a game with shelf life and by the way that that format is actually still quite popular it's not triple a as much but it's still a very common format it's quite successful it's just it the 10 cent studio is not going to want like the right. problem is the the publisher is probably going to want something a little better long term stream. It's you yeah. know I, I I work in a field that involves services, and one of the things you notice is how much 
first of all, the margins on services are very good. And then two, how much the, the street, Wall Street responds to that kind of steady income. Yeah. So there's a lot of pressure on the publishers who want to make money on Wall Street who want high share prices to emphasize this model, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's not right. Mm -hmm. I don't right. know if that's the case here, but I have, little, I have little doubt that this is that if you were to go to Tencent and say, what do you want this game to be? They're going to want a long-term revenue stream out of it. That's what they're going to want. I and do think, I think that is a significant portion of why we have seen a glut, an absolute glut of live service games recently in the past several years, because it, everybody saw w the kind of money you could make consistently with live service games. Well, and they were like, about, I like want that. And think about it from the standpoint of almost like you're making almost like what we could consider in like the Hollywood industry, like passive sequels, right? So like Squad, for instance, right. like they didn't make Squad 2 because if they made Squad 2, then they might have to like do a whole engine overhaul uh, Unreal Engine 5, right? Instead, they can use the same assets, use the same engine, use the same everything, and just keep on producing content in the same sort of respective... And I mean, the thing also to to further that point a little bit further is the idea there's something to be said about becoming an expert in what you do, right? Where it's very much like, yeah, I've been working on XYZ game for seven years and I've become an expert on developing content for that, right? If all of a sudden uh, I, I started, pardon? Ironically, I think it's actually probably more the opposite where um, one of the benefits to this model is you can bring your B team in. Oh, sure. Well, yes. No, there is something to be said about the live team, 100%. Yes. Well, but, but, but what I specifically mean is you're creative. You're people who create new things and come up with new ideas. So th there was a running joke when, you know, companies would hire IBM and IBM would get the contract with the A team. And then after a little while, the contract would move in the B team. So they could charge A team prices, but they had people that weren't quite as good. Now, of course, the IBM people are probably going to scream at me, right? But but the benefit is, is you can you can make profits in this, that industry, not necessarily having your very best, most innovative people. And yeah. you, get the, you get the people that do exactly what you're talking about, CPR, the people that are really good at diving into something, that learn all of its ins and outs, that get really good at supporting it. And I, I, I knew a person in the last job that she knew like 2,000 jobs in the system. Like she, she knew like 2,000 system jobs and how they worked. She was not your A-team person where you sit out and had built whole new systems. But man, she could support everything, right? So it's a different people and you can, and frankly, you can charge, you could pay them less. So there's, there's some corporate benefits to that approach that are outside of the actual making of the game. I, I hate that sometimes we end up talking a lot of backroom stuff, but the truth is a lot of these decisions <laughs> are, a lot of the decisions corporations are making are being driven by these backroom considerations. That's yeah. just, it's just the reality of it, right? And so when you start putting in DLC can be made with less under, less front end skill. That does not mean that people are stupid or incompetent. It just yes. means it, I'm not implying a lack of skill so much as you don't necessarily have to put your roughest, fastest, quickest, newest person. You can well, put your reliable, good, solid people. And as an example, the DLC content for Tomb Raider is our extra tombs that you can explore. But the thing is when you're when you're making that DLC content, you don't have to you don't have to world build. 
you already have the world you're putting a new basically a new hook or a new tunnel or a new yeah. door or a new something somewhere in the already existing world you already have like a basic blueprint for how tombs work all you're doing is coming up with the puzzles and the the specific environment for that corner of the world but you get dlc content out of it that's much easier to make that already has that framework and you can make money off of it. It's, yeah. it's just a different type of development. So yeah, it's, it's, it's smart business. Is what smart it is. Business. So as we finish up this topic for the evening, guys, what are your guys' thoughts about, let me ask you two final thoughts and I'll get each of you to answer. So let's start with Lex. Lex, do you believe that developers should set expectations accordingly? And, or, so let me ask you this, actually I'll, I'll phrase it this way. Do you believe in this scenario that it was the developers at fault or do you believe that it's the gamers at fault here? I don't think anybody's at fault. Okay. I, I'm not going to place blame on this one. This is, this kind of stuff happens, right? I have every reason to believe they had a plan. They tried to execute the plan and the reality did not match the goal. That, that you can blame them for over, being overly ambitious, but suppose they had achieved their plan, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm fairly sympathetic to the idea of reach for the stars and sometimes you don't get there. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, <laughs> what, they, what a quote, <laughs> but that's, that's reality, the, right? That's going to be our t-shirt reach for the stars <laughs> on the front back. And sometimes you don't get there. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> sometimes so you I don't up in the atmosphere. <laughs> I, I really have an issue with this concept of somebody's at fault. I, this may very well be good intentions goal was not reached, companies making the best decision they can. I'm not sitting in rooms having that conversation, but this just doesn't feel like a big issue to me. The company has been very clear, we have to move on. Yeah. But that's, I'm totally okay with that. You make your apologies and you try to do better next time. That's, that's, that's my view of that. Yeah. Des, what's your thoughts? I don't know. I think... Gamers? I, I, I think the best the the big issue here is a trying to, a, a mismatch between the type of game they made and the model that can support that game and i don't i don't necessarily think that was apparent up front yeah so i i kind of fall with lex and this is not i don't know if this is anybody's fault <laughs> it's just it's just you tried it turns out that one didn't work i do think that uh gamers need to be a little bit more um i mean there was a youtuber who makes content around this game and he basically said about the announcement that well i mean i've made the content i want to make about this game and i'm done because like i i was running out of things to to make about this game basically and i was going to move on to other games that i'm more interested in i think i think all of us need to be willing to do that with games and not get so attached to our favorite game. Now I say that. And if Epic ever shuts down rocket league, I'm going to cry. Yeah. That's understandable. Right? <laughs> but <laughs> no, I get it. That's, yeah. That's totally legit. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And the good news is if the player base is excited and stays along, they'll probably keep it open for a long time. Which is, which is why I'm going to continue to occasionally put some money into rocket league because I want them to keep, doing it 
No, I will say that if <laughs> just expand <laughs> on my come prior to, statement. They come to Des. Des, we're going to shut down this game. You have to give us 500 bucks right now. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody so, knocks on your door. <laughs> Hi, so we're selling Girl Scout cookies for Rocket League. Rocket League. <laughs> I, I will extend this is the on me for Rocket League. It's on health life support. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will extend my statement slightly. Look, yeah. You get, you get a learning experience. If they try another live service game and pull it a second time. Yeah different different opinion right yep you, you get you get you get your learning experience but next time you have to you have to learn and i and do if, think reading between the lines they are not implying that they're going to do this exact same type of thing again it's implying that they are working on something completely new which i think is wise yeah awesome well my thoughts are really it is i would say that gamers do have to set expectations accordingly uh the fact that your favorite game is gonna run indefinitely as long as you live i i don't think that um yeah no you know i I think that it's kind of like i think in the day in the age in which we live in if a game runs two years on a live service model and like here's the thing if 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 the game doesn't really tout that it's a live service model if they're not like this is a live service game right um and but it was generally successful and well-liked and it ran two years, I think that's a happy ending, right? Um, like, yeah. If, if the game was yeah. like, this is a live service model, we want to do at least like seven years, and then they do a year, and they're like, well, we it sucked. I'd be like, okay, well, your business model sucked then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need to reevaluate that because, you yeah, setting expectations are important, right? Yeah, it, it clearly wasn't a success, right? I mean, this is this is not a good result. I don't want to pretend like it is. It's just I would say and I do was, think I, I want to bring out a good something. result. Like I think they I think they finished the game. They finished the game and they're like, let's move move on. Oh yeah, yeah at this but, point but they if, finished the game. But if you go to players and give them an expectation you don't meet, there is a failure there. Co- correct. I would say there's then that's like almost like a two way failure where very much that or even maybe a midway failure where there's a failure of communication where where the dev says one thing, it's misinterpreted by the players because the players are thinking another thing, right? So it's this, it, I mean, we, we have that all the time, right? And I do think, C-Pair, that you were right earlier when, because uh, one of the things disadvantages this game in particular doesn't have is it has no mod ability. No mod, yeah. Which and... is probably, probably a mistake for the long-term survivability of the game. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, And you think well, more I, companies would realize that. And I think yeah. one thing in particular that's weird as well is the idea that, like, you know, I, I forget what engine, I don't know what engine this game is run on, but, like, you know, game developer companies that are using proprietary engines or what have you not, I'm like, get over yourself. Just, like, use an engine everybody knows, like, <laughs> and, and build a game that we could we could work on a mod down the road. So. Yeah. Anyway. Well, thanks everyone for listening to our esoteric dive into the world of gaming this week and the world of live service models. Um, you've been listening to Pear, Des, and Lex. And if you do have any feedback or would like to recommend a topic for one of us to discuss for next week or the weeks following, you can head over to our Discord, which there will be a link in the description of this podcast. If you do like to discuss what we actually discussed this week, you can head over to our water cooler channel where all of that juicy exposition happens. If you did enjoy our podcast, also please make sure to leave a five-star review on Spotify or write a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share this podcast with your friends, your relatives, your grandmother, I don't know, 
pizza man anybody um and once always again, the pizza man it's always sure the pizza, the pizza man. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well once again everyone thanks for listening and remember take your hand grip it firmly around your wallet and hold, hold on, on tight, tight. <laughs> goodbye <laughs>